0: So welcome to regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy. It's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. Lauren Black. Dr. Black is with the Department of Biomedical Engineering at Tufts University School of Engineering. Dr. Black, welcome to regenerative Medicine Today.
1: Uh, thank you very much, John. I'm glad to be here.
0: So uh, this podcast is part of a series that we've organized with the Journal of Immunology and and Regenerative Medicine, and we heard some previous uh, authors in this particular series. So Dr. Black joins us by phone today from Tufts University, and I'd like to begin this discussion by asking Dr. Black to share a little bit about his particular interest in regenerative medicine.
1: My lab is primarily focused in studying regenerative medicine approaches in the heart. So we look a lot at ways to repair myocardium, and that's for the muscle cells, and that's both in young patients as well as older patients. And we really focus on this idea of sort of extracellular matrix-mediated signaling, and so how the extracellular matrix that exists outside of the cells acts as a way to store and deliver information to the cells in the context of both normal development, but also sort of in the context of you know repair following injury or disease, and so we're interested in regenerative medicine and really trying to develop some of these sort of new approaches to alter that remodeling response that occurs to try to make it more beneficial and more regenerative.
0: So what is the state of the art from a clinical perspective?
1: I would say probably the last two or three decades in cardiac and in particular in the adult space is a lot of it's been focused on cell therapies which would be the delivery of patient-specific cells to the infarct, if you will, in in a myocardial infarction model, which is sort of the most common studied adult injury or disease. And I think we're kind of a sort of inflection point or a turning point, I think, in the field in the sense that cell therapy has really shown us that while cells can have a statistically significant effect in the context of functional repair, so an increase in ejection fraction, for example, when patients get these cells, that it's really a clinically insignificant amount. And it's not because many years ago the thought was that these cells might turn into muscle cells and and actually aid in the contraction and the lost ability of contraction that the cells have died from the infarct and sort of replace them. But nowadays it's really recognized that a lot of what they're doing is sort of pumping out growth factors and cytokines that are trying to promote a better healing response. And so That's sort of where the field has been at, and we're now starting to see a lot more approaches aimed at acellular approaches, some of them around extracellular matrix molecules, but of course, delivery of growth factors and cytokines and the like as a way to sort of modulate that healing response and, as I said, try to generate sort of a more functional tissue in the place of dead, injured tissue.
0: So is any of this technology clinically available, or is this something downstream?
1: We're starting to see it. Karen Chrisman's group, for example, at the University of California, San Diego, for many years has been utilizing this idea of taking a ventricular extracellular matrix from pigs, so taking the ventricles of the pig heart, decellularizing them, and then solubilizing the leftover ECM, and then using that as an injectable therapy following MI, and again, it's been going on now, I think, in her group for probably somewhere around eight to 10 years. Probably about four or five years ago, they spun a company out of it and just finished, I think, their first phase one trial in utilizing this solubilized injectable extracellular matrix as a therapeutic following myocardial infarction. And with some promising results, they're moving on now to phase two and really looking at moving beyond safety and towards efficacy and really trying to do a larger powered trial towards that. So, So I think we're starting to see some of this sort of hit the clinic and really become potentially clinically available.
0: That's exciting. So I noticed that some of your interest in the cardiac areas in aortic valve disease. Can you share a little bit on the status of that particular work?
1: I would say this was probably about five or six years ago. I started working with a couple of other investigators here at Tufts who have a long standing interest. Well one of them has a long standing interest in valve disease he had noticed in some of the work that he had done that there was a potential genetic pathway that through GWAS that sort of linked up with a number of patients who have bicuspid aortic valve disease, which is an increased risk factor for calcific aortic valve disease. And so we started working with him really around the idea that some of the tools we were developing from an engineering perspective, in vitro systems to sort of study cell matrix interactions, as well as some imaging approaches that we've developed to really look at changes to the extracellular matrix and changes also to the calcification state of tissue to try to help him sort of dissect a mechanism of what was really going on here. And so we've been now working together for five or six years. That's Gordon Huggins and along with Phil Hines, who's actually a cancer biologist, but is studying this specific pathway that we're looking at. And we published a couple of papers around some of the methods that we developed and one on the model system. And we're really now trying to continue forward, again, sort of focused on ECM-related signaling in the valve, with the idea that hopefully we can sort of target or isolate some specific factors within that extracellular matrix that we might be able to utilize in a
0: therapeutic way. That's also exciting. So I noticed one of your publications is in the area of tracking cells, and of course that relates to the use of that technology for some of the research you just discussed with. It. But uh, I've always been fascinated by the ability or lack of ability to track cells. So what's the status of that work?
1: Yeah, it's kind of ongoing. It was, uh, you know, We worked a little bit with a collaborator, and, and we're really trying to help them sort of develop a little bit more around how to do it. And it's an ongoing area, but not one that we're heavily focused in at this point. And, and part of that, is, as you sort of pointed out, the challenges associated with doing it. It's one thing to track cells, even in the small rodent in an in vivo model, but to be able to do this at this sort of larger scale, I think the challenges increase exponentially. So something we're still thinking about, but hasn't really moved forward a ton, I don't think, since probably the publication came out.
0: So Dr. Black, I mentioned at the outset of this discussion, we have a partnership with the Journal of Immunology and Regenerative Medicine. Can you share some of your insights in terms of where immunology and regenerative medicine intersect?
1: The battle I contacted me probably... uh, a little over two years ago, to serve on the advisory board initially, and then last year asked me to elevate to an associate editor. It was an easy yes for me and a very rapid response. You know, this intersection of immunology and regenerative medicine is really an area that is taking off and is very ripe for some discovery. And the heart in particular, which is really my focus area, it's an area that many people are starting to really try to address, which is this idea now that if we're going to use non-cellular approaches or even cellular approaches, you know, does it make sense to sort of target those approaches towards that immune response, that inflammatory response that's occurring at following injury, because really that's what we're trying to see if we can tweak in order to get sort of a more effective repair. So, and I say that from the perspective, obviously, of somebody who studies the heart, you know, I think that's abundant all throughout regenerative medicine is really trying to get a handle on and understand how we might then be able to modulate that sort of immune response as we begin to look at a regenerative medicine approaches. So I think it's a very timely topic, certainly.
0: So for the benefit, some of our listeners may not be familiar with this particular topic immune response can be positive or negative is that correct
1: that's correct and it used to be thought of that there was a true sort of biphasic response now it's really more thought of of a spectrum of responses but but the sort of ends of that spectrum are really sort of the what we call the classical M1 or classical M1 type macrophage hair response and then the more alternative or M2 type response which is more of a regenerative response and so what we see typically is that when we have tissues that are able to heal well, and this can happen, for example, and regularly happens, for example, early in development where our cells and our tissues, and and this is really almost organ independent, are able to really respond to an injury in a very robust way and regenerate tissue and recreate that tissue in a meaningful and functional way, that that tends to be this sort of more alternative M2 approach, that sort of more positive immune response that happens when we see that in younger patients or in tissues that generally regenerate very well. Whereas the M1 approach, that sort of classical approach, is really the more negative immune response, if you will, is really something we typically see, for example, when we generate scar tissue when we have this sort of fibrotic response, which particularly in the heart, we know it has its benefits from the standpoint of preventing, for example, rupture following MI. But clearly, if we can find a way to sort of tune those responses back more towards that alternative phenotype, that's, I think, a big goal now of a lot of people in regenerative medicine are starting to look towards. So.
0: So it's actually a very complex but a very exciting opportunity to deal with some pressing issues. Absolutely. Dr. Black, I'd like to thank you for joining us today and sharing your particular research as well as the work of the journal that uh, you are a key organizer of. To our listeners, we welcome suggestions. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. Also, we'll post Dr. Black's website, on the podcast website so that you can further follow his studies if that's of interest Till we meet again, thank you for listening have a good day